the bigger. Look at the turn. Oh, that was brilliant. Look, Bruce. Gee, it's a good kick. It is a great kick. It's one for the ages. O'Brien, some candy. And then a goal. Lewis runs into the open goal. Thank you very much. The Hawks are back in town. Two retirements, a re-signing, a rising star nomination, a debut, a departure, a dingly update. What a busy week it's been for the club, hey? And we're going to discuss every little thing in detail in another huge Hawk Talk podcast. Welcome one and all, my name is Nick Mason and joining me is my co-host, a man who this week reflected on the career highlights of two retiring stars. G'day Tiz. Oh, it's the end of an era, mate. Again. Again. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it good to be able to reminisce though? And they had a presser on the website. Where all the questions were from, uh, well, the players, but they gave themselves media personality names, which I thought was fun. But the, that was a great, and we got to see Paul's persona, really, didn't we? He seemed quite relaxed, and yeah, they both look like they're happy with their careers, and so they should be. Fantastic achievement for both of them, and they were just so dependable, both of them. And as a small forward, that's not usually something you say. But uh, Poppy just gave his best every week for many years. But what really entertained me was how how Poppy's personality was so bubbly and he's a real joker. He's kept it on the down low for so many years, hasn't he? Where's that been hiding? I don't know. They should have made a feature of it. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he's quite methodical about his football and the media appearances are very reserved, very modest. He, uh, He hasn't let that shine through, but I'm glad that they got that moment, the both of them. I mean... Strats was just himself. Ben Stratton only knows one way. It's just the same mode all the way through. But you're right. Poppy showed a bit of something in, the, in these press conferences. These players acquired by Hawthorne as mature age recruits, both of them, uh, in the 2009 and 2010 national drafts, respectively. And they retire as one club players with three premiership medals to their name, Tiz, which is absolutely sensational. In a three-peat, don't forget. Back to back to back. What an incredible achievement. And... Ah, these guys, they would have been wondering, you know, they both said that they knuckled down for a year to to get the most out of themselves, and then it's been, um, well, they've just got rewards ever since, haven't they? And it's a bit of timing, but it's also their hard work ethic. Give me your favourite highlight for each, and then I'll go. Oh, I think uh, Poppy stealing the game against Adelaide that time, <laughs> that would be my highlight for him. That was excellent, and I, I still uh, get a shiver when I see that. Uh, Dangerfield running into goal and and Strats. I know everyone's going to say, but that tackle from Stratton's ridiculously good. Unbelievably, that ends up being a goal. That play from Stratton, it goes right down the other end and goes through the middle. So that's brilliant. Um, that is there's the temptation for me to choose that highlight as well. As far as Ben Stratton's career is concerned, aside from the um, the countless spoils and the supporting his teammates aerially, I'll always remember that. But if I had to. If I have to choose like one game uh, besides that Dangerfield moment, what about the 2013 prelim and those marks? He just seemed to come through at the right moment, didn't he? I think he had one in, in 14 as well. Um, but to be able to stand and just take all that pressure on yourself and go, I'm going to mark this. Well, I've been reading Ruffy's book lately in preparation for the uh, review episode that we're going to do in due course. And uh, 
Jared Ruffhead talking about that game, the 2013 prelim, in the, in the dying stages, he, he speaks of how Geelong really were under the pump and they suddenly for the first time in so many games were feeling the pressure and they moved away from what was making them such a good team they panicked and it was those long down the line kicks and guess who was waiting it was Ben Stratton he he made the climb a couple of times played a huge part in saving that game Uh, as for Puopolo uh, it's hard for me to split between two moments Um, I think that mark against Adelaide is just insane I, I'm not sure I've seen a player get higher than that in person. <laughs> yeah, that was absolutely incredible. And the other one is the um, we put together a highlights package uh, for our socials. Uh, it's on there now if you if you go look for it. Um, at the end of that highlights package for Puapolo, I put that just that little snippet of play that you know to the untrained eye might not be remarkable. It was against Frio uh, in the 2013 Grand Final. This real never-say-die attitude in the fourth quarter, right on the uh, the point post where that is, in the pocket. And he was just a terrier. He just could not be... He was relentless. Could not be denied. And I I think that was symbolic of everything that Puopolo brought throughout his career. The endeavour was there. Yeah, that, that tenacity that um, we so admired. And his ability to keep at his task let other blokes around him just work in the space that he created um Cyril benefited enormously from Poppy's work rate because not only was there Cyril hunting them down but Poppy was somewhere as well it does pay to take a moment and just reflect on simply how privileged we were in that era (laughs) you know to have those two guys who just heaped the pressure on the opposition and made them panic at every turn. Yeah, well, we, we feel privileged, but they felt robbed in 2012. And, and to reference it at the end of their careers as well as the point where it, they made sure they were going to never lose another grand final, um, it just speaks to how important that loss was, how much pain they were in after that. Well, I want to cite Ruffy's book again. Uh, he mentions that as well. I believe, reflecting on uh, Mitchell and Hodge's books, I think they also make mention of that loss and how heartbreaking it was. And the common thread throughout all of these uh, recollections from these players is just how on the same page they were. They're almost like forged by that adversity and that loss to, to not only then win in 2013, but... Geez, talk about fuel for the fire. I mean, it just set in motion a, a historic three-peat. Yeah, and then, of course, they had a couple of blokes they wanted to get it done for as well who missed out on 2013 and even 14. And, and yeah, but their characters came through in that presser and, and Ben Stratton in the last couple of years has been captain after an extraordinary season especially that game against Essendon with the mullet going around. That was terrific. Very <laughs> Gary Ayres. And, and the frustration on the Essendon fans' faces when they just kept kicking long to strats was just fantastic. <laughs> so this is the end of an era, again, as we said at the top. Um, it feels right, doesn't it? Like, it's the right time for both of them. Well, they're not going out on top, are they? But, you know, it feels a natural progression. They're moving on to new tasks and a whole different lifestyle. It's uh, it's going to be a big change. I'm just glad they're getting their day in the sun. Uh, it's not exactly, you know, the ideal situation. Of course, you'd rather it be at the G, 
know, you'd rather there be uh, many, many thousands of fans all, all there for you, all the Hawthorne members. It's not to be, but they get something. And I was delighted to read um, in Jeff's letter, Jeff Kennett releasing a letter earlier this week, that uh, it is in the club's plans to actually honour whoever retires and comes off the list. So, you know, not only do they get their final game, hopefully next year, 2021, they get that moment with the fans as well. So we look forward to that. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, to have the crowd there, and I'm, I'm sure they're going to miss it. And I'd love to be there too with the 24 on my back. And One thing we will see when we go to the footy next year, Tiz, against all odds, is the number nine worn by Shawnee Burcoin again. He's running around again. What's he, 38 years old? Yeah, and well-deserved, and we thought it would happen, and uh, it has. It's just because he's got so many facets to his, to his game, and um, we've lost a lot of coaches and experience. We have to. Um, we still don't know what the list is going to look like, but they've offered Burgoyne another year and took it up, and I think that's great. 2021 will be his 20th season as an AFL player and his 12th consecutive campaign as a Hawk. Uh, we heard from Silk himself, who commented on the signing, saying, I'll approach every game like it's my last, which I've done for the last five or six years. Anything's possible. It's a long way to go. I'll be doing the best I can to get my body in a good position to play footy, and I'll just take it one game at a time, as I have every year. And uh, this is nice as well, I think. In addition to playing, Burgoyne's going to take on that uh, part-time Indigenous advisory role, assisting the club in the development and implementation of all sorts of Indigenous programs, which is super positive, and it's the right call. Yeah, in a in a time where pressure is on the club to look to um, reduce any costs, I think they've done well here in giving um, making Burgoyne wear a few caps, to be quite <laughs> honest. <laughs> Well, ain't that just his role on the field as well? Yeah, player, part-time coach, uh, Indigenous advisory. Um, He looks like he'll reach that 400 mark next year, which I hope we're there for. It's going to be great. That is my one request to the footy gods for 2021. Let us be there at the G for Shawnee Burgoyne's 400 games. Finn McGuinness finally made his debut. Social media just exploded when it was announced that uh, he'd be uh, taking to the field. Was it worth the wait, Tiz? After all this time, how did you see his game? I thought he acquitted himself quite well. I mean, there there was certainly pressure on him. All eyes were on him. And uh, I saw him going head-to-head with Bailey Smith for a lot of the first half. And, yeah, it'll take him a little while to get confidence. But what what did you think, Nick? He was... He was just all right. Yeah, well, I got taken to task by saying he had a fine debut, and a lot of people jumped down my throat. They're like, are you kidding me? He was no good. And I was like, okay, first of all, it's his first game, so maybe just give the kid a break. And they're a good midfield too. Don't think that that's an easy first game. Exactly right. The Western Bulldogs, they're no slouches. That's a tall order. Um, But second of all, when I say fine, I mean it in the true sense of the word. It was average, and, you know, you can expect... It's his first game, you can expect that. Uh, Seven contested possessions of his ten in total, uh, running at 50%, which is not great, but, you know, whatever, he's doing the hard stuff. Two clearances, five tackles, which I liked, actually. Yeah, that's good. So he's he's trying to impact the contest in any way he can. Um, We'd like to see him get it on the outside a bit. Great to have him out there, and he'll be better for the experience. I beg of Hawthorne supporters, we have hyped him to the moon. Just give him time now. That's that's what you need to do next, is just be patient. We haven't hyped him, we just wanted to see him. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's true. That's all we wanted, and now we've seen him, and it, he should be named this week. Yeah, we don't know what to expect, because 
well, that's why it's so hard to get into the side because you form in whatever things they're calling them this week, scrimmages, whatever. Uh, it just doesn't. It just it's so different to actual AFL rounds that um, he needed to get out there. We needed and we wanted to have a look at him. It was great. One guy that we've had a really good look at this year is uh, Will Day, and now this. Uh this is something that we haven't had a chance to talk about on the podcast yet, so we're going to mention it now. Finally, Will Day received some recognition, earning a Rising Star nom for Round 16. That was his game against the Saints, and this is from hawthornefc.com.au. Heralded as one of the Hawks' brightest sparks since making his debut, Will Day's footy smarts combined with his composure have given Hawks fans a real glimpse into the tough defender's future. Wonderful. Uh, he earned every, every part of that, but also I loved his attitude towards it. Which was, it's nice, but, you know. <laughs> well, that's about how you've got to treat this award at the moment, right? I mean, it's it's reputation. The integrity around it is in the toilet. No, that's not what he's saying. It's just that it's a very individual award. And um, Hawthorne aren't about individual awards, really, which is kind of why Clarkson falls asleep at the Brownlow and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know that's not what Will is saying. It's what... I am saying. And it's been that way since Rioli didn't win it. Who did he lose to again? What was his name? Reese something. With a spoon or something. No, um, <laughs> no, terrific to see him recognised. Terrific to see him recognised. And uh, it's just a pleasure to watch Will Day, isn't it? He's in the right colours. And he's getting better each week. He's going to have a low patch. We know that. But, um, God, he looks every inch the footballer. And once he fills out and... Gets into the roles he wants, which is uh, midfield, we understand, and, and wing, um, which certainly we have some vacancies coming up there on the list, um, which we need to talk about later. But, uh, yeah, great for him. And I wonder what number he'll have next year. That's my other question. Could take the 24. Yeah, he could. He could. He spoke about Stratton as being a mentor to him. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, we we did want to get to some rumoured signings and departures now because this is pretty interesting stuff that I woke up to this morning. Uh, the idea that Connor Glass could be headed home to Ireland. This comes from, of all places, the BBC. We heard from the Beeb, Tiz. They reported that uh, Hawthorne have reportedly opted to not extend his current deal. This is still to be confirmed, so we're going to watch this space with interest. But assuming it's true, Tiz, what are your thoughts? Uh, well... It'd, he'd be very disappointed. I think he's got the most out of himself, really. But he never seemed to to gel into the um, into the mould that Clark I was looking for. They've tried him in various positions, so it's not as if it's off the wall this decision. But uh, I thought his aggression at the football and certainly some of the highlights from his limited career could have held him in good stead for this cut, but apparently not. And uh, it's not to say he didn't have his chances. I think it was a bit of a line ball decision, really. Uh, if it were up to me, in a year that didn't have the pandemic to contend with, and you know we're, we're talking about the, this forecast of list sizes changing, if you took that out of the equation, I'd, I'd probably be inclined to keep him on the list. But uh, it's it's too difficult, isn't it? And you're right, he has had his chances, and he hasn't had the kind of traction that you'd want as a player. Like, he hasn't been able to stay in the team for any considerable length of time. I think, what, maybe three or four weeks at a time at one point? But beyond that, he was just... He was always a fringe player. Yeah, and this period is going to force tough decisions 
And uh, I imagine that's a tough decision. And uh, when you say 50-50, do you mean uh, one con or the other? Is that, uh, <laughs> is that what you mean? Well, haven't we just heard whispers about the other corner? Yeah, we um, we heard a whisper that he's been offered a multi-year contract. Oh, just don't need to lay it on that thing. It's two years. <laughs> multi-year. You're so pleased with yourself. You love this news. Yeah. I'm 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 looking at that AFL media pass, mate. Stuff like multi year will get it. <laughs> AFL media employing anyone anymore? What's happening there? They've swung the axe. I don't know who's left. What is going on? Yeah, there's a few cuts. Um poor Mark McGowan got, got cut. Some good people without roles and I you know, Mark did some great work covering this club for us and really serving our community and we appreciate that. And I just don't know. Who's going to do that next? Big shoes to fill. It's it's a shame. It leaves it leaves it to us to rely on these whispers that we get from all over the place. And indeed, Connor Nash was uh, among that, being offered two years. And the other one is uh, Ollie Hanrahan, rumoured to have been offered one year. And that's a that's a good result for Ollie. Um, I think Connor gets two because it's uh, it's a big commitment to stay out here, isn't it? For him, he'd have other interests if he if he wanted to head back. You need some long-term surety there. Yeah, you need to offer up that security to him. Uh, I think even having said that, I'm surprised that it wasn't flipped in in terms of Ollie only getting the one and Connor having two. Uh, I would have expected Ollie gets a longer contract than that. But, you know, this is all, take it with a grain of salt stuff. Like, this is all rumour file talk. So, you know, we'll just watch this space and uh, see what happens. So Glass, Nash and Hanrahan, we're... Waiting for stories to emerge properly on all of those guys. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a, a lot of false rumours running around as well. So um, it's it's just there's so much up in the air because they haven't announced the changes to the list size. And I noticed that even Port Adelaide have announced that four players are coming off their list, even though they're going to finals, which seems very weird. And I just hope they don't have any sudden bouts of um, gastro as as Richmond did in that famous prelim. Um, which apparently is one of the greatest all-time excuses, as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to be honest with you, Tiz. This is literally the first time I've heard anything of that sort. I've not heard... Is this legit? Have Did people make these excuses for them? I don't think they offered it up as a club. I just, you know, I've heard a few of the old stages going around the media say, in passing on radio, that there was a few, you know, issues with their performance. Oh, I wouldn't expect the club to offer it up, but just uh, even the fact that it's peddled in the media is pretty weak. Can't you just accept that one team beat another convincingly? No, it was well out the box for their form lines, wasn't it? So I said it at the time, mate, leading up to that game, it only takes one bad night. That's it. And your season's done. I thought you were going to say one bad meal. <laughs> well, it could have been a combination of uh, column A and column B there. Now, we're getting a few green lights from the local government down in Dingley. What's going on there? We're just getting everything ticked off. Anything we want, getting ticked off now. Apparently, you know, they urge, they're really, really after some key developments in their area and they need some growth in their economy down there. And suddenly Dingley's like, yeah, build whatever you like, fellas. Taj Mahal, whatever. (laughs) Um, One question for you, Tiz. How? How is this happening? (laughs) <laughs> How are we making any headway with this project in Dingley? There's a reason it's called the Harris Centre. 
we uh we got this update from the herald sun uh hawthorne has modified its new training base plans to build its women's and community facilities first as part of a bid to enter the aflw competition in 2022 it's reported construction could start on new oval pavilion change rooms for women's teams next year and we're hopeful the construction on the elite men's training facilities in dingley is going to start in 2022 and be right to go in 2023 now that's important to get the ovals down because we know when we moved out to waverley that was a big concern having uh, grass that didn't really thrive for a while and we're getting a lot of soft tissue injuries so we relayed the grass I think it was about 2011 wasn't it and um, by the time we were into 2012-2013 it was far better to train on so they've got to get that right otherwise you'll end up with the uh, the chronic injury conditions of uh, Collingwood who still still haven't worked out that having an over-concrete base probably isn't the best. Now, this story from the Herald Sun continues. The Hawks recently reignited the venture and received strong support from the city of Kingston to go down this path and prioritise the women's facilities. And we heard from uh, the chief executive, Justin Reeves, who told the Herald Sun the project was, quote, shovel-ready, end quote. (laughs) It's a technical term, Nick. I don't know whether you've come across that one before. What it means is Jeff gets down there, gets the shovel out, puts it into the ground, and then chucks it over the reporters. <laughs> That's what it is. That's, you've nailed it. That's exactly what it is. Uh, there's plans here. It's reported for two ovals, community learning and medical facilities, indoor sports courts, and change rooms for both men and women. And uh, this is obviously a huge undertaking. And I just wonder, again, how is any progress in a time such as this being made on Dingley? Well, surely it's cheaper to get it done now, right? While there's no other projects going on. People are looking for to be working on these things. There's got to be some benefits, right? Well, I mean, I trust the club. They obviously know what they're doing. You know, I'm without the intel. They're the ones working on it. They're forging ahead. So they know something that we don't. So everything's A-OK as far as they're concerned, and, and I trust that. And never shoveling cash at the AFL anyway, so... We're all good, Chief. It's time for miscellaneous listener questions. Tis your favourite segment. We heard from uh, there's a number of listeners here who all kind of ask the same thing. So I'm gonna gonna dash through these kind of quickly. First of all, from Corey, who are we thinking will be the next captain? Dino adds thoughts on Sicily as captain with Jack and Jager holding the reins for next year until healthy. That would be my vote. And finally, view from the nosebleeds says with Sicily clearly a captain in waiting but injured. Do we look at Shields or Gunston for, say, two years before handing over to the Blonde Prince? Or do we simply go with O'Meara now? It's a tough choice. Who, who's the most respected? Who's the most respected out of that lot? That would be my question, and it's probably Gunston. Gunston would be my choice. I happen to agree perfectly with uh, View from the Nosebleeds take that we should probably go for a Shields or Gunston, go with the experienced hand, the experienced veteran, and then when their time is up and they call time in their, on their career and they ride off into the sunset, you've got Sicily, who at that point is about, what, we're thinking 28, 29? And uh, I think that's that's the right time for him. I, I'm not sure it's a good idea to appoint Sicily now to, to have him sit on the sidelines and then have the vice-captains take the reins. That, there's something about that that doesn't sit right with me. I don't think you could do that, could you? No, I don't really see the point. I mean, Sicily can wait. Give it to give it to one of the older guys now who... Look, I, I would 
be happy with either Shields or Gunson. I think both of them are qualified. You know, we've talked about it on the on this podcast that uh, Jack Gunston of late, through uh, his leadership off-field and on-field, he's a prime candidate for mine. So if they appointed him, I'd be wrapped. And also chasing down his first PCM, I'd have to say, on his efforts. Seems like it. Yep, he'd be my pick. I imagine some listeners are wondering why we haven't mentioned O'Meara, but it's the same logic for me. You don't need to give O'Meara the captaincy now. You get one of the older guys to take it on, and then when it's time, when, when they're done, O'Meara or Sicily, whichever one you want to pick, they'll be waiting. It just, I don't know. It seems to make sense to me. Maybe some listeners will disagree. Or Tom Mitchell. Or Tom Mitchell, yeah. But I think there is a case for having a bloke that's going to be there as captain for the next five years. Um, obviously, Gunston nor Shields would would suit that. So, um, yeah, if you want to have a sort of a long term captain and a real rudder to the ship, it's a good choice. Yeah, true. Then then you'd be looking at O'Meara as the timing is off for Sicily, and that's pretty unfortunate, frankly. But that's just how it is. Um, we heard from James as well at Hawk Talk Pod. This is a curly one. Uh, should I be okay with the fact that my 10-year-old wants to give her Hawthorne Guernsey to her cousin and has replaced a picture of Jared Ruffhead with a horse? Yeah, no, you can't be okay with that, can you? There are certain parts of parenting where you just got to stand your ground. And uh, <laughs> you don't give away Hawthorne Guernseys either. You bestow them. <laughs> yeah, you just got to cajole them into it no it's your club and if you want to recruit your cousin to Hawthorne as well that's great uh we should look ahead as we start to uh wrap up uh Hawthorne versus Gold Coast the last game of the season Adelaide Oval 105 p.m on Sunday now Tiz here's how it stands we're probably going to finish 15th or 16th well both of them are fine with me I'm going to lay it out right now that I have a sneaky suspicion we'll get up for this one. <laughs> Having said all that, I think we could actually win. Yeah, of course we can. I mean, Gold Coast are unconvincing at the best of times. I'd love to see it happen. I would absolutely love to see Strats and Piopolo chaired off with a win under their belts. Exactly. That's what I'm hoping for as well. Yeah, of course I want us to get a maintain that better draft hand, but there's, you just can't surpass that feeling like that seeing the champions get cheered off after a win that's too good to pass up the other question is uh, how brave are we going to be with our selections this week so do you see finn staying in the side or i i see finn staying in the side i mean what would be the point in withdrawing him after one week like what does that do for the kid that does nothing well in, in that case what would be the point in bringing Ross or Cozzy in for one week? Well, my point exactly. We heard from Judgy at Hawk Talk Pod. Will we get to see any more debutants, Ross or Cozzy, perhaps? And I don't think we do. And, uh, you know, they're both in the same boat. They both haven't debuted. But it makes me fear for Jackson Ross. Like, what what is that guy got to do? Like, I reckon he's off the list just about. If, not being able to debut this season, there's something... Very amiss. I'd love to know where the club stands with him. Yeah, I think Cozzy will be retained, though. He's a longer-term prospect than Ross. Yes, so yeah, I'd agree with that. Even if he doesn't play, I'd, I'd expect he'd be retained on the list. Um, but, yeah, disappointing not to see Ross. The other bloke I want to make mention of is Will Golds, who did some nice things for Box Hill last year, but obviously with an ACL, we haven't seen anything from him this year. And, and um it's just such a tough decision, that one. Who else do we have available? I think Impy's a test to get up this week. Um, I mean, do you play him? Do you bother? 
and I think Patton's available as well. Do you bring him back? We haven't spoken much about the Western Bulldogs game. What did you think of, uh, of our performance? I mean, it was pretty good for three quarters, apart from the second quarter where we were pretty damn awful. I hated our forward efficiency. Like, it was so bad. <laughs> like, we just could not manufacture anything. And the, and the Bulldogs, to their credit, made it look so easy. Really well-oiled, well-drilled machine. And um, it showed us up. They were just a class above. You can't deny that. The Bulldogs were simply better than Hawthorne. Um, I was a bit dismayed to see Mitch Lewis turn in an absolute nightmare. That uh, hurt me in my soul because I so want him to do well and he just could not get it together. Yeah, it's it's very hard to change your form. If you're out of form this year, it's very hard to get back into form, uh, especially if you get dropped, um, which means we just have to tolerate some subpar performances from some blokes until they find their touch. But uh, I want to make mention of that brilliant mark by Tim O'Brien. That was enormous. Thoroughly deserving of the gasps from the crowd. And then they blew the siren and everyone went home. That was great. And that's all that happened in that moment. Oh, I thought it was a great end to that game. Really (laughs) put the full stop on it. I thought Damon Greaves was excellent for us, um, especially as such a young player. Yep, you know, Greaves good once again. I, I rated his performance. Uh, a few of our young guys, actually. I, I thought, as I said, Finn was okay. Uh, Day was good once again. What did you think of Moore? He, I feel like he's really auditioning to stay on the list. And uh, this week will be interesting, assuming he still gets his spot, he's selected again. Um, I think he's got some work to put in myself uh, how do you read that situation yeah i think he's only just just starting to find his way in that side it's it's tough because the pressure is well and truly on him uh and he also has a very very good engine can run great distances but his speed doesn't seem to be there at the moment um yeah well i mean there's a few boys that'd be happy with their years but on the on the whole for the list and we'll be reviewing each player separately shortly um but uh, as a whole, the list doesn't look in the greatest of shape and there's uh, lots of decisions going on behind closed doors, which apparently most of them have been made, which is why the BBC is probably quite accurate with their assessment of glass. Um, and they've had about three or four weeks to decide on how we're going to look going forward. But just this and last week, there were some signs last week that the boys were getting much better off the half-back line and without a, a lot of experience back there, I have to say. But um, then in the centre, we were we looked thoroughly beaten without Warple in there a few times. And uh, Segler got shown up quite badly by a much younger Ruckman. So there's some definite improvement and there looks like a couple of positions that need to be looked at too. Some of the storylines that have, have plagued us this season, they continued. They just manifested once again, and I think there's uh, still a lot of the same pressing concerns that will that will be something that club has to look at for the off season. Everything you mentioned just there, the midfield in particular, I think that's one area of really grave concern. But you're right, like it wasn't our best team, nowhere near it. There's a lot of guys not on the park, which I like. I didn't think we were going to win that game, but I had the expectation that we'd be. Um, competitive and when it got to that second quarter I thought oh no they're going to fall in a heap here but they managed to bring it back together and uh, continue but the frustration comes for me for, for for Matthew Walker who still has a back injury we're not going to see him this season and you would love to see Ross and I'd like to see Ross come in but 
It's just whether someone deserves to be dropped, to be quite honest. I think the um, the thing that bothered me about the Bulldogs game at some points um, was there, this, we seemed to look like a team that really wanted the season to be over. And, you know, given everything that's happened, not only on the field, but off the field, the, the climate of the world right now, the, that's fair enough. I'm not going to begrudge that too severely. Mate, Clarko cannot wait for Sunday evening. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, and fair enough. <laughs> I mean, he'd give everything on Sunday. I don't deny him that. But he is looking forward for this uh, year that went completely against all his planning to be gone. If there's anything that's going to turn a team around and get the W on Sunday, it's celebrating the careers of uh, two champions of the club. And I think that is the uh, the antidote to the thing that was plaguing us to the, to the sloth-like behaviour I saw on the field against the Dogs. Again, don't begrudge it. I get it. It's been a rough year. There, a few of those guys are probably a bit done with football for the time being. That They just need that season to be over. But yeah, if anything's going to lift their spirits and if anything's going to cause them to fight hard and fight this one out to the end of the season, the final siren of 2020, it's Strats and Poppy. I look forward and I hope that we can bring something a bit better than we did against the Dogs, competitively. Oh, I look forward to the game. I'm not looking forward to so long off without any footy. No, but that's why we have the Hawk Talk podcast, Tiz. There's always something to talk about on this show. Yeah, are we getting to those stupid reviews now? Because <laughs> one of them is just... What is that? What, the long one that we're going to read out? Yeah. It's a total setup, a con job. The highest order. It just goes to show that uh, our five-star reviews come in all shapes and sizes from listeners. And, uh, well, we're going to start with... Let a... me read the good one. Okay, we'll let you go first. co one love this podcast, great show, insightful and forward-looking. Now, that is a five-star review in my book. That one right there. Short, sweet, to the point. Oh, so you, you reviewed the review. I'm reviewing this review because the next <laughs> review, I don't know what happened. Okay, so that one was short, sharp, and direct. And then we had this one from uh, Sizemo. <laughs> I'm going to guess that's how you pronounce that name. Uh, Strapping listeners, this is quite a journey. <laughs> Sizemo Jeez. begins. Good podcast. Love the Hawks content. However, I saw Tiz at a grocery store in Melbourne a while back. I told him how cool it was to meet him in person. But then I didn't want to be a douche and bother him and ask him for photos or anything. He said, oh, like you're doing now. I was taken <laughs> aback and all I could say was, huh? But he kept cutting me off and going, huh, huh, huh? And closing his hand open and shut in front of my face. Oh my God. I walked away and continued with my shopping and I heard him chuckle as I walked off. <laughs> when I came to pay for my stuff up front, I saw him trying to walk out the doors with 15 Caramello Koalas in his hands without paying. It's really... Uncannily accurate. I love those bastards. Anyway, go on. <laughs> uh, the girl at the counter was very nice about it and professional and was like, Sir, you need to pay for those first. At first, he kept pretending to be tired and not hear her, but eventually turned back around and brought them to the counter. When she took one of the bars and started scanning it multiple times, he stopped her. This and is told the her worst part. This <laughs> is ridiculous. And told her to scan them each individually, quote, to prevent any electrical inferference. And then turned around and winked at me. I don't even think that's a word. What is that? After she scanned each bar and put them in a bag and started to say the price, he kept interrupting her by yawning really loudly. 
Weird interaction to say the least. Still rating five stars because the podcast is great, but honestly, this has been bothering me for months, so I had to say something. What do you have to say for yourself, Tiz? Ah, uh, well, that's uh, that's lockdown for you, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And if I see you again, size Zomo, I won't... Uh, anyway. Offer him one of those caramella koalas, you greedy bastard. <laughs> That's my kind of grocery store. What Sizemo has done there is he's proven a fundamental truth of the Hawk Talk podcast. If you write a five-star review, we will read it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. That was good fun. Would have taken a while to put that together, and it was quite funny. Exactly, and, and whether your review's long or whether it's short, you've taken the time out of your day to leave it and say a nice thing about our show. So we absolutely appreciate that. Thank you so much to both of you that left the reviews there. And uh, Twitter, people are awfully nice on Twitter as well. At Hawk Talk Pod, we're nearing two thousand three hundred followers, which is a huge milestone. Uh, Facebook, I noticed in particular, the outpouring of love for our retiring stars this week was very special. Uh, Facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod. Patreon, patreon.com slash HawkTalkPod. Shoutouts are plenty this week, Tiz. We've had a lot of people jump on board at the end of the season as well, which is pretty cool. Uh, We've got shoutouts to uh, Andrew, Stewie Bro, and Alana. Thank you for uh, joining us and supporting the show. And what about this? Some yearly subscriptions, Tiz. Yeah, a few of our current supporters have... um have paid their subscription ahead and uh, got a discount for that. And we're very thankful. And uh, that'll that'll go towards providing some extra content over the off-season, which I don't know how long the off-season's going to be either. Better buck our ideas up, I think. It might be in it for the long haul. <laughs> we, we thank you very kindly. Uh, Jared Brodders, Pridgey, Andrew Kay, Aaron, Angus, Darcy and Brent, Thank you for supporting us and signing up over the next year. Uh, That's an incredible show of support. We really appreciate that. So uh, from the bottom of both our hearts, thank you. That's very kind. Thank you indeed. Yeah, so all my face is hurting after that review. (laughs) And I know when I sent it to you, you were in hysterics. (laughs) I knew I wanted to read it out on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well... This is it, mate. This is the final game of the home and away season. We made it. We did. Didn't think we'd get to the final week, did we? At some points. It's been a hell of a year for both of us and our supporters, our listeners as well. It's been huge and we thank everyone for coming with us on what's been a, a very strange season in a lot of respects. But uh, but here we are and I hope we can get a win. I know it's not advantageous for us in the off-season to get the win, but I, I want to end this season on a high. I think we've earned it. Ah, uh, it's minuscule changes if you if you win the game it's no real difference exactly i mean we're getting north melbourne's second round pick anyway so ah, it's a thing of beauty tis <laughs> music to my ears now listeners might be wondering what we've got in store in the off season uh the answer is quite a lot actually i mean we heard from jack here at hawk talk pod uh, end of season ep with ash brown on the cards well could be got the wheels in motion on twitter about that one but of course it's become tradition now we usually talk to ash at the end of the season and we'd love to do so again and there's been so much to hear from ash about this year because they just the games kept coming together with these footy frenzies and uh i know you get to read him in the record but uh sometimes ash off the cuff is the best ash <laughs> indeed it is uh and we've got obviously our ruffy reviews coming and the, the crimo book as well 
I've started the Crimo book. Um, and you've got a copy yourself, haven't you? I do. You sorted me out with that. I didn't even know you were doing that, Tiz. That surprised me. It just rocked up to my doorstep. <laughs> I didn't know it was coming, and there it was. So thanks very much for that. So plenty to look forward to here on the Hawk Talk podcast. But before we get to all that, of course, just one final game. Yeah, and I'm going to hit you with a stat that came off Twitter from Sam. This is probably stat of the century for me. Ben Stratton will become the first 200-game player since 1936 to retire with more premierships than goals. <laughs> How cool is that? Thanks, Sam. That's an excellent stat. Now, if you're Ben, do you want that as a record or are you heading forward to kick a couple of goals? You head forward to kick a couple of goals, mate. <laughs> Let's get <laughs> Benny a bag to send you on his way, eh? Let's give him a bag of five. Oh, my goodness. Ugh. How good would it be? Can you imagine how Gold Coast would be feeling for that to happen to them second year in a row? Just get absolutely monstered by one player all over again? Well, when you're paid for by Hawthorne and the rest of the league, this is what happens. <laughs> I think that's a great place to leave it. We look forward to the final game of the season. Uh, join us on Twitter, at Pod, where we'll be live tweeting and hopefully enjoying ourselves a win to see out the season very nicely and celebrate the careers of our champions, Paul Poplow and Ben Stratton. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.